0: Hi, everybody, and welcome in. It is great to be back. I had a long siesta. I went with my son to Iceland. It was uh, his dream trip. I asked him, I said, where do you want to go? Dad will take you as you get ready for college. And he's picked Iceland. And uh, it was it was absolutely wonderful. And um, we got about 45 minutes tonight. We're going to do 30 to 35 minutes with Jason Tempf of Hoops tonight. We're going to have a breakdown. He's fantastic, by the way. Um, I, 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 I will say this about because uh, I don't take a lot of week vacations, but um, I found as as I've gotten older, I sort of prune my trees, uh, my sports tree. Uh, you know, I have five things I love. I love the NFL. I love major college football. I love the NBA playoffs. I love the World Cup, and I love a great UFC fight. I'm gonna go to a. Uh, Uh, early July, I'm going to go to a UFC card with friends. Um, I love those five things. I like March Madness. I don't love it because I don't think the quality of college basketball is nearly as good as it was 15 to 20 years ago when the great players stayed for two, three, and four years. I really like March Madness. I really like Um, a great baseball playoff game in October, but I'm not as invested in baseball or college basketball as I was 10, 15 years ago. So, and I've said this in my private life, in my personal life, I'm the same way I've pruned my tree. I love my family. I love my job and I love international travel. And I've kind of made a commitment. uh, My wife and I have made a commitment over the next last couple of years and going forward for the next 10 that uh, we want to do more international travel. And I'm just really into it. I've gone a mile deep in it. I've already booked my next two trips. Uh, um, one of them next year, one at the end of the summer. So it was just nice. This is, if you have a chance, I ran into a lot of Americans, a lot of Europeans. And it's I always love how efficient Europe is when you don't have a lot of money, and Iceland doesn't, right? You don't think of it as a rich country. It's amazing how smart they are with their money. You know, I live in Los Angeles where we have a subway system and I'm sure it was a, a high minded idea, but I've never met anybody in Los Angeles that has used the subway system. Conversely, I've never met anybody that lives in New York or Chicago that hasn't used the subway system because lots of people live in downtown Chicago and downtown New York. Not a lot of people. It's not as vibrant in downtown Los Angeles. It's a huge county. It's spread out. It just doesn't feel like a subway town. So I, when I even in the city I live in, LAX, our airport, is going through, um, has put billions of dollars into this new tram. Um, and I think billions of dollars, a lot of money. And I was dropping my wife off at the airport yesterday. And I said, you know, I have this feeling. I've never gone to the airport once in my life and thought, you know what I want to do is park further away. I'm like, Uber, just drop me off. I'm fine. Uh, I said, I have this feeling that this is going to be a billion dollar boondoggle that people just do not want to park further away and take a tram to the airport. I'm sure I could be wrong. But uh, I appreciate when I go to Europe and I see these countries and these towns and how efficient they are and how thoughtful and smart they are uh, with their funds Uh, and Iceland qualified. Reykjavik is just a fantastic place. I highly recommend going. You know, I was as I was watching the Miami Heat, even up the series, the NBA has always been a sport that, and I've noted this before, the NFL, it all kind of feels the same. There's intensity in the regular season, intensity in the playoffs. There's more of a sudden death feel, obviously, but you have to be, when it comes to hockey or football and you have a regulated level of violence, a UFC, you got to take every minute seriously. You're going to get hurt. Basketball is different. There's playoff Jimmy Butler and regular season Jimmy Butler there's load management all through the regular season there's no load management in the playoffs they're just different so like to me you define your career in the postseason it's why I always keep a Carmelo Anthony or a Carl Malone they get dropped they 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 weren't as dominant to me they weren't as uh special in the postseason I didn't think they I know Utah got to a couple of finals, but I, I feel like playoff basketball is where legacies are built. And I think we're seeing it right now. I, I, I wrote a list down who I think are the, the 10 best players in the NBA. And I think there's like two groups. I think the four best players in the league right now are Jokic, Giannis, Luka, and Steph. Just just, And again, Luka hasn't had a ton of playoff success, but I think they're just different. I don't have any questions about their talent. Then there's six guys in the next group and I have a question about all of them somewhere. AD, his health. Tatum, his ability to close in big games. LeBron, age. KD, brittle. Embiid, health. And, And then Jimmy Butler, tends to play great in big spots, but can be sometimes just a good regular season player. So I think there's I think and, I, and now I think by the way a uh, Devin Booker Jamal Murray De'Aaron Fox are really really special players, but I, I kind of after watching these playoffs I think there's there's just ten guys that feel to me different in the league and uh, Jokic Giannis Steph and Luca even though this was not a great ending to the season for Luca he he's going to end up being a top five scorer in league history he's he is the best get a bucket guy currently in the NBA. I think Jokic is a fascinating player because there's a Bill Russell quality to him. If you really think about Bill Russell got to 11 finals, Magic got to nine, LeBron 10. That's 30 between those three. Michael Jordan got to six. Is that is that I feel like with Russell, LeBron and Magic, what was really special about them, and it's something I see with Jokic, is the ability to not only be great, but to elevate others. And that's how you consistently get to the finals. Doesn't mean you're going to win a ball like Michael. But Michael didn't necessarily make other players better. Never forget, when Michael left the Bulls, they went from 57 regular season wins to 55. If you took Jokic off this Denver team, they're a borderline playoff team. Borderline. So I I think Russell, LeBron, Magic, and Jokic feels like that a little. That his ability to... Take B guys and make them B plus guys and, and 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 take a C plus guy and make him a B guy. It's a really special, special gift. And I didn't watch Bill Russell play, but, you know, you watch the old highlights, you read about him, you go look at his defense and his scoring and his rebounding. He was he was worth so much more than just points. In fact, I thought Miami uh, reduced Jokic basically tonight to just a score. And he's not the same player. They're not the same team when he's just a scorer. And, and, you know, we reward that and credit that and give MVPs to great scorers. James Harden, Russell Westbrook. I think it's the elevation of others. Magic, LeBron, Russell that is really the difference maker. You will consistently get to more finals that way. So I know Denver feels like the world is disrespecting them. They've never won. They just lost home court advantage in the finals. They're not being disrespected. We're waiting to see if the Denver Nuggets are very good or are they great? And right now they're very good. Getting to the finals does not make you great. Miami got to the finals in the bubble. Wasn't a great team. It was very good. Boston got to the finals last year. Very good team. Not great. So I don't think there's any disrespect for Denver, but we have a precedent of of young surging teams that they get close Steve Nash's sons, uh, the early Sacramento Kings, early 2000 Sacramento Kings, uh, the KD, uh, Westbrook, Oklahoma City Thunder got to a final. Very good teams. Great is winning that championship. I still like Denver, but um, you know I have so much respect for how Miami does business that I know a lot of people are saying this is going to be a boring finals. I thought the game tonight was great. I thought it was fantastic. I don't know what you want. I thought it gave you everything you want. A close finish, rallies. Uh, One team was doing twos. One team was doing threes. I thought there was clever coaching on both ends. So I, I, years and years ago, people thought the, uh, Chicago, Utah Jazz series would get low ratings. And the truth was it's the highest rated NBA finals I think ever. It was a great story. So Denver and Jokic going for their first title versus Miami's culture and, and precedence of history. I think it's a fascinating final. Let's bring on Jason Timpf at the volume Hoops Tonight podcaster. Does a marvelous job for us. Let's bring him on. Do you have some home projects you need to get done? Whether you own the house or you rent it in your apartment, your condo, or your townhome, Angie's List is now the Angie app for all your projects at home. Whether you're moving, installing something, or cleaning something, They have a network of pros that you can rely on. They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. Hundreds of projects, big projects, or smaller, more specific projects. It could be as little as a leaky faucet. They have the projects priced up front. It's fair and it's clear. You'll know the cost. Before you start, download the free mobile Angie app today or go to angi.com. Angie, your home for
1: everything home. For complete terms.
2: Colin, what is going on with the Miami Heat right now?
0: Well, if you're um, a believer in analytics, this was great analytic basketball. They hit 49% on threes. And despite Denver dominating points in the paint where they had a 54 to 32 advantage, they dominated twos. The threes won the game, in fact, I would argue, when Miami was down about eight to nine late, I thought my I thought Denver waited way too long uh to shoot threes. It's like guys, we got a minute forty here, threes only um and I mean they they Denver can give you threes and certainly wasn't bad uh from beyond the arc, but this is this is the way to win. You can see in terms of length. Denver's going to get points in the paint. Denver's going to Denver's just long Gordon and Porter. But again, if Tyler Hero comes back and Duncan, you have elite three-point shooters. Um so this is Miami's way to do it. They're built for analytics. Um their center Bam Bayou runs the floor. They're a classic analytic team. They're the Warriors East. They're not real big, a uh, lot of grit, a lot of culture, can play really good defense, especially situationally. And when they hit threes, they're hard to beat. They really remind me, I was thinking watching them, is that for years and years when I lived in Connecticut, um, I would watch New England and I rarely thought they had top two or three talent. But I was always like, they're so much smarter than everybody. Well, we found out that that they had the rare combination of a brilliant defensive mind and the great offensive mind in Brady. When Brady left, they don't look nearly as smart but Miami, I always feel that. Like, why can't anybody else find Caleb Martin and Max Struess and Duncan Robinson? Like, why aren't these other teams doing that? The difference is when they're Tom Brady, Dwayne Wade left, they're still great. Uh, so it's more truly about the coach and the culture. Whereas, you know, and and, and we, we that's that goes against the grain. We think basketball is the player sport. Football is the coaching sport. But New England really was more about the player, Brady, than it was the coach. And I think Miami is more about the coach than the players is that they won with Wade. They're winning with Butler, uh, seven undrafted guys, four are playing. So t- tonight, this was classic culture. This was classic analytics. We're not as big. We're going to surrender a lot of twos. We're going to shoot a lot of threes. And on this night, uh, Miami looked like they had much better energy for a team that plays at sea level. That extra day <laughs> off, it. they looked energized late I, I that extra day off really helped Miami. I'm glad you brought up New England
2: because that's exactly where my brain went. There's the the ism, which is do your job. That, to me, is the embodiment of the way the Miami Heat play basketball. It's funny because a lot of times we talk about coverages and, oh, they should do this coverage. Or they should do this one instead. And like every coverage in and of itself doesn't fail under its own you know tactical approach. It fails under right. execution. So, for instance, one of the most criticized coverages in the NBA is drop coverage because a lot of dribble pull-up shooters will get good looks as they're coming over the top. But if you do it right, like if the dude who's guarding the ball does his job and chases over the top, he'll funnel him to the big man, which allows the big man to stay in a position where he can guard the roll man and the ball handler. If it's done properly, it does work. The problem is is 90% of the time it falls apart in execution. The guard get dies on the screen or the big man can't dissuade the lob pass or whatever it is. Miami and what's so fascinating to me is we saw the Lakers completely incapable of even making Denver work hard for baskets, which is wild considering how good they are defensively. They had a 122 offensive rating against the Lakers, which means they scored 122 points per 100 possessions. They had extended stretches the Miami Heat did of good defense against Denver tonight. They have found two different schematic approaches that allow them to get stops. One, moving Kevin Love into the lineup, allowing him to guard Aaron Gordon so that Jimmy Butler can guard Jamal Murray. And Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo guarding the uh, Jokic Murray action two on two, so they don't have to send help, which is making it so Michael Porter Junior is not getting those wide open threes that he's used to getting. So that KCP is not getting those wide open threes, so their their rhythms getting disrupted. And then the zone, which once again. The exact same sort of thing. Zone requires such fantastic execution to work, which is why most NBA teams don't use it. And Miami Zone works against a team that it has no business working against with that kind of shooting and with Jokic scoring from the high post. And you pointed out the two versus three thing. And that's a really interesting dynamic that took place down the stretch of this game. Jokic was scoring every damn time he caught it by the rim, but that was two. And on the other end of the floor, Denver's guarding Miami's actions three on two. So there's constant open looks on the backside that are worth three. And the math was working very heavily in Miami's favor. It, it just, it to me, they're, they're doing the impossible. I watched what I thought that Laker team, I thought was the best defense in this playoff field. Miami's doing a much better job guarding Denver than LA did. It's amazing to me. I, I'm blown away. Well,
0: and they also, what Miami did is um, Denver's only three and seven this year in in the 10 games where Jokic had fewer than seven assists. So what they made Jokic was was a score. All right. And and by the way, he's a very good score. He's not a great scorer. You know, he's not he's not Jordan. You know, he's not Kareem. He's not even Carl Malone. On a good Jokic night you get about 23 points. And then you get eleven assists, 12 assists. Well tonight he only had, I think, like four or five assists. So they made him just into a score. So it, by the way, he was, and they were really trailing late. It felt like it was an eight to a nine. I mean, it, it closed at the end. It felt like Miami was in total control the last five minutes of the game, and he's dropping 40. So, you know, it it's, I was watching Jokic, and I really like watching him play. It's such a pain in the butt to guard. If you'd never watched Larry Bird, if you were born, you know, at the end of Larry Bird's reign, you'd never really seen him play. You you would say he's like a forward If Jokic was a forward, that's what he played like because his passing is brilliant. But a big part of what made Larry Bird was Larry Bird is one of those Bill Russell, LeBron magic stars. Jokic is too that they elevate others. So magic could give you 42, but the secret sauce with magic uh, and LeBron is they make J.R. Smith viable as hell in an NBA finals. Matthew Della Vadova can play like like. There was a time Tristan Thompson became valuable, you know, in a finals. That's the secret sauce to Jokic. It's not the points. It's the elevation. He turns C plus guys into B players, B guys into B plus players. Um, you know, there were, there were people that were just out on Jamal Murray, like after the 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 ACL injury, and like he looks like one of the best players in the world. So I thought they reduced, it's a weird way to say it, they reduced Jokic to just a great score tonight, and Denver's not as effective. They're really not. He, he's going to dominate twos. They'll take their chances on that. And I will say this, though. What you're seeing is really good coaches. I, I saw so many people because I watched game one. Uh, I watched the full uh, game YouTube highlights because I was overseas. And, you know, the idea people were saying, oh, this series is over. And I'm like, timeout. Miami just got out of a highly emotional seven-game series. They're going as a C-level team. To the mountains. (laughs) They got no chance in game one. They got no shot. It's like, everybody, take a deep breath. This is a six or a seven game series. I think Denver's better. They'll now adjust. But tonight, in that fourth quarter, it was analytic basketball. Threes versus twos. And Miami, Spo. you know, chess match. uh, Edge, Miami tonight.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because I fell for the same gambit that you're referring to—the oh, the series is over gambit—and uh, you know, it's funny because I was—it was just as much about Denver as it was about Miami. Like, I don't think people realize how dominant Denver has been to this point. They swept the Lakers. The Phoenix series went to six, but did you know their average margin of victory in the wins was over 17 points in that series? Like, they kicked Phoenix's ass. Like, it was right. it wasn't close. So they—they—they they, right. they ki- killed. Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, and then they killed LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like that—that's why I'm so high on uh, on what Denver does. And then specifically, the what was happening in the Eastern Conference was a lot of capitalizing on weaknesses, like Boston's weaknesses in offensive decision making, New York's, like literally Julius Randle kind of crumbled. J- Jalen Brunson was the only guy who looked comfortable. All their spot up shooters went cold. Milwaukee obviously has a bunch of half court offense issues, so it felt kind of like Spoelstra was like just capitalizing on major weaknesses. And then you look at this Denver team and you don't kind of see them as a team that has a weakness, but this is where the genius of leaving Jokic on an Island comes into play. And you broke it down perfectly. The ideal Jokic game is 23 points per game, bunch of assists, that's when everyone's flowing. Rhythm is a real thing in basketball. If you leave a guy on an island and you stay home off the ball, then guys that are used to touching the basketball a certain number of times over the course of the game suddenly go extended stretches where they don't touch the basketball. And so then when KCP gets a wide open look off of a Jamal Murray handoff at the end of the game from the top of the key, he Bricks it long because he hasn't been getting shots. He hasn't even been. He's barely been touching the basketball, and so that's the genius in it. Is Jokic is so damn good, he's gonna get forty on efficient uh, uh, shooting because that's how good he is. But if you make them play that style, it's it just puts everybody else out of rhythm. And there's one last thing I wanted to shout out and actually, Colin, I think this is a really interesting kind of way to look at team building in the NBA. Um, Jimmy Butler and Bam bio are the two stars of this Miami Heat team they have taken on all of the dirty work. Like, it's crazy to me. They are completely and utterly bought in to doing all of the hard things that so many stars around the league don't do. Like, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are what kind of shut down Denver's offense tonight. Like, that's crazy for your star... For Jimmy Butler, the guy who's been the guy who's been heliocentric doing all the work offensively to then just be like, I'm going to guard Jamal Murray and chase him over screens all night long. And I think it's a really good indicator when we look at team building moving forward. Like you got to, if you're foundational players... And Eric Spolster said something to this effect after game one, I think, or before the finals. He's like, if your two best players don't want to defend, I don't know how you can build a good defense. And that's the truth. Like, yeah. you've got it. They are built. It's not just the execution for, from the coaching staff. For, it, it, it's the stars and them being utterly bought into the dirty work. And then all those role players are naturally bought in because yes. everybody above them in is. And it just leads to that well-oiled machine. Yeah.
0: I mean, this has been something I've been on for years is that Carmelo Anthony never wanted to defend. You can't build your franchise around a guy that won't defend. There's not a knock on Carmelo, but it's like Kevin Durant's a willing defender. So Steph Curry, he's just not a great defender. So they protect him with Draymond and Andre Iguodala in his, in his prime off the bench, and, and 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 Clay Thompson, you know, pre-injuries. You protect him. And that, there's a handful of players. We we do this in the NBA. We fall. For the dynamic offensive player, and it, it's interesting. Years ago, when I was a kid, I always used the example of World B Free or George Gervin. They weren't classified as great players. World B Free was this guy who averaged like twenty nine a game, twenty eight a game for like the I think it was the Sixers. Uh, he, he was he was an oddity. He had a you know a crazy name, unique name, unique game. He was a gunner. It wasn't an all star. It was okay. Just saying, he's just a really fun offensive player. What's happened in basketball, we now give MVPs to guys like James Harden, who just gives you no effort on the defensive end. James Harden's a great scorer. That's what we would have called him in the 70s and 80s. He's a great scorer. We don't really classify him as an MVP-level player. And to your point is, it's hard to find to me an all-time great player, Kobe, MJ, that, that, that either was a great defensive player in his prime, Kareem, or was at least a willing defender, Steph, KD, willing defenders, John Stockton, Isaiah, they're willing defenders. These were, I don't know if Isaiah was, Stockton was a willing defender. So to your point is, you know, I always think about if I was Miami, there's a lot of things you could sell players on because they do practice, you know, they they work you. They really demand a lot of you, but it's such an easy sell. You can say, listen, guys, it's the best weather. In the entire Eastern Conference, <laughs> yeah. the bluest water, no state tax, no chaos in the building. This is a great organization. What we're going to ask of you is to play your ass off on both ends. That's the ask. And, and I think Golden State's been able to do that. Like We will outspend the salary cap. We don't care. New arena coming. We'll, we'll, we'll pay everybody. But you gotta play on the defensive end. It's not about you. You just gotta be Greg Popovich once said, you gotta get over yourself if you wanna be part of a dynasty. At some point you have to get over yourself. And that's and this is not just the shot at Melo, but th- this idea that we just worship these, and I love the NBA, but we worship these players who just don't give you a, an effort on the defensive end. It just doesn't work. Those are non-championship players. They're fun. I loved world Be free. I love George Gervin. You gotta give me something. And when I watch Miami play, I'm like, it's if you told me somebody just dived on the floor for the heat, I'd be like, what, well, Jimmy Butler? <laughs> Larry Bird, by the way. I would guess, oh, Larry Bird. I love that style of basketball. I really do.
2: I was literally thinking about that when I was watching uh, Bam Adebayo in that fourth quarter and, and how I, I want to work on with my coverage of the league doing a better job of crediting players who do that. Because I, I, I like Bam Adebayo is nowhere near as gifted as Anthony Davis. And he's, through two games, done such a better job on both ends of the floor. And a huge part of that is he's just fighting with more physicality in position battles, and he's sprinting his ass off up and down the floor every single possession. One of the biggest ways that Jokic killed Anthony Davis was just in transition, just running. And, and and it's again, it gives you the ability to demand perfection from the rest of the roster. I, I think about this a lot with the with the last dance and some of the stuff from Michael Jordan. And and like and there's a huge movement, especially from LeBron fans to try to paint Michael as this prick who just was just treating everybody awful. And it's like I, I look at it completely differently. Michael. Demanded perfection from his teammates because he was in pursuit of that same thing on both ends of the floor. And so it, it carries more weight down the roster. You can ask a bunch of undrafted guys and guys that are um, uh, that that don't have the necessary level of athleticism and skill that your top players have. You can ask them to do a little job perfectly when Jimmy and Bam are not taking any possessions off and they're fighting through all that stuff. Again, like fundamentally, the two of them guarding Murray and Jokic changed. The way that uh, Denver was able to generate shots. And so I think, I just think it's a super interesting thing to look at when, when we're looking at team development is you've got to have guys at the top that are willing to embrace the dirty work because that's the only thing that's going to allow you to demand from the rest of the roster. And, and you're, like, you, you mentioned Miami bringing in players. Like, that's the next thing out of all of this because I still believe Denver will win this series, although I've seen enough yeah. from tonight to know that Miami has a real chance, which I didn't think before tonight. However, like, one of the big things to take away from this series if Denver does win is what if Miami got some players? Like What if they got some players? Because if they get some players in there with what Jimmy and Bam can do and with what Eric Spolster can do, that's where it gets really scary because they they have all of the other odds and ends tied off so perfectly that they maximize talent so well that it could it could it could really be devastating for the rest of the league. Yeah.
0: And I think I think there's this natural let's get Dame uh down to Miami. But um Dame doesn't saw, I mean, because Bam is a willing defender, uh Jimmy Butler's an excellent defender. Uh Lowry's got limitations due to age, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero are not going to defend. Adding another player that doesn't defend is not necessarily it. That's why, you know, that's why when I I threw the name out with the Celtics, but I'll throw it out with Miami, Andrew Wiggins. Is a very interesting piece. A twitchy, willing defender doesn't need to be the leader. Could be the second or third best player on your team super smart, gets the, gets the intelligence of the Miami culture. That's the kind of guy, a willing wing defender. So you can have Tyler Hero on the floor and it's not. And, I, and, I, and then I look at, at the Warriors and I think, oh, what could you get? Well, they, they, they love to shoot. Uh, and so M- Miami, to your point, I think they could add a piece, but they don't need a flashy piece, right? They don't the culture fit is somebody who is willing doesn't need headlines experienced smart and 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 a guy that on the on the wing is a willing defender so it's like i'm not saying andrew wiggins is the piece but we, we tend to go oh let's put this guy who jacks up that's not really what miami is that's not their thing man they i i Miami has done a really good job through the years of assessing what they are and also assessing what they're not. And I think I've always been told this in the broadcasting biz when you're you're building a network. Like you have to know your own talent before you can go out and find talent. Like who are our best pieces? And it's sometimes I think ESPN went through a stretch where they didn't recognize – some of their own pieces as they were trying to assemble, you know, kind of as as George Bodenheimer left, John Skipper came in. There was a sea change at the company, and I, I didn't think they assessed their own talent very well as they were trying to uh, pursue other talent. And I and I think when I look at Miami, I think Miami totally understands what they are, get sort of right now what they're not, what they need. Um, I mean, Tyler Hero is not exactly a perfect fit for Miami, a little flaky. A little immature, not a defender, doesn't really fit. Uh, I could see them. I could see them moving him. I, I mean, they're winning. They're in the finals without him. I could see them moving him and adding a little toughness and better wing defense. Then how good would Miami be? You had a seventeen-point-a-game wing guy that defends. But then, what are they? How great have the NBA playoffs been so far? If you live in one of those cities and wanted to go to the games, there is only one place to get tickets. The Game Time app. The fastest growing ticketing app in the U.S. For last minute, amazing deals. They don't stop with the NBA. They do baseball, hockey, concerts, comedy shows too. Download the Game Time app and use the code COLLIN. C-O-L-I-N. Get $20 off your first purchase. 20 bucks off first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app. Use the code Collins. COLIN. C-O-L-I-N. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. The GameTime app. The fastest-growing sports app in the United States. Use the
3: code Collins, Colin. C O L I N. Let me just run this by my lawyer. Is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over fifty years.
0: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on-site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin to see their Pirelli test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com the way tire buying should be.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because with Tyler Harrow in particular, I think Spolstra, and I'm not sure if he was actually ruled as available tonight, tonight or not, or if it was just like a a DNP coach's decision. But like it is, a, our colleague Draymond Green actually did a really good job of breaking this down on his show. Just the, the general idea that like there's a rhythm and a flow to what Miami is doing right now. And to throw a new guy into that who has a lot of usage, meaning like he's going to control a lot of possessions. It just yeah. has a lot. It, we just have a lot of, of opportunity for that to, to bump the, <clears throat> the train off the track, so to speak. I, I do think that in the long run, like they will have to come up with some sort of secondary shot creator. And I think that's why they've been so hesitant to give up Tyler Hare over the years. Um, yeah. But like, you're right. I mean, it, regardless of whether it's Wiggins or it's a bigger fish... Whoever that guy is, has to be someone who's bought in. And, and for the record, this is something that I think Spolstra has done a really good job of. Um, and I, I should say Pat Riley, too. They've been very picky about who they bring in. Have you noticed that? Like they know, yep. they, they can identify pretty, like, no, you're not about what
0: we're about, you know? Or, Lowry's a, or, a great example of what they're about.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so when you get the you get the right guys, like the heat culture thing has been said so many times, it's kind of lost some of its meaning. Uh, But there is a a reality to it in the sense that it's like, it's kind of like that epic rant from MJ at the at the at the last dance. It's like, if this is not the way you want to play, go somewhere else but this is the way we're going to play here and th- and that's kind of the miami heat ideology is it's like if you come here you're gonna defend every possession like it's your last because that's how we play and guess what it helps you beat better teams in the nba playoffs and that's why we do it we're about winning trophies here and i i love that whole uh, uh idea so um as we go into miami um
0: miami's a, a two-point underdog by the way at home um, i think they'll split i think they'll split think so? it'll come back two 2 yeah I think they' I think these teams I think it's gonna be a coaching uh chess match I think Denver's better um but not significantly better and they've never won this thing and this is new territory uh, I thought tonight spo chess match I thought spo was worth three games in the Boston series I thought he won tonight I thought he did the tweaking late as Denver's offense dried up. So I, I don't think Spoh is going to be worth two or three wins in this series because I think Malone's more than capable. I thought Missoula was a little over his head. Maybe I think Joe Missoula, it's a learning experience. It just happened to be on national TV. It's the worst place for one, but it is what it is. But I think Spoh, uh stole one tonight. And I think, I think think I think they'll go to Miami split and they'll come back, and that's exactly what this series is. I think Denver's going to eventually win close. Wouldn't be surprised if Miami won. I don't buy into the Miami... It's going to get overwhelmed. I think Denver's longer. They're going to get more free, cheap baskets. And by the way, when you live on that three, like Miami did tonight, they're going to have longer droughts. Like Denver's fourth quarter was rare. I I wrote some notes down tonight. You know, their droughts are a six nothing run. They had two droughts. They started the game in a drought and they ended the game in a drought. Like Denver really struggled early and really (laughs) struggled late. So that's that's chess match. That's. That's Spoe's opening adjustments and closing adjustments. In the in the in the 80% of the game inside of that, um, Denver was the better team. But early and late, and that's coaching, right? Like if you go to NFL games, the opening drive, you score first in the NFL, you win 70% of your games. That was Bill Walsh. Take the lead. Opening drive in the NFL, and how do you close with two minutes left? That's that's Coaching. That's the great coaches. Poorly coached teams never finish strong. Like over the course of an NFL season, poorly coached teams unravel late. It's like a golden rule. They just unravel late. So I thought, I I thought Spo stole one tonight.
2: Yeah, as we move towards Miami, I, I kind of see it the same way. I could see a, uh, a split there. Uh, there's going to be a couple of specific adjustments that I expect from Denver. One, they just have to defend better. Mike Malone's going to be all over them about their defensive effort in this particular game because it wasn't great. Um, Jamal Murray, in particular, was just biting at every single pump fake and giving up a ton of driving lanes. That was leading them to be in rotation a lot. Offensively, I think they need to do a lot more Jokic stuff with KCP and Michael Porter Jr. to keep them in rhythm during the game while they're leaving Jokic on an island a lot. Sometimes they run too much two-man game with just Jamal Murray and Jokic and then it'll be a Jokic post-up, Jokic post-up, Jokic post-up, and then it'll be Murray-Jokic, Murray-Jokic. And like one of the ways to keep KCP and Michael Porter Jr. in rhythm is just to give them more touches throughout the game in dribble handoff situations. I, uh, before we get out of here, I did want to ask you one thing though. So I thought Jokic was unbelievable tonight. Uh, like yeah. just absolutely unbelievable. Um, where do you? Our our guy Carson from Nerd Sesh tweeted this out, and it got me thinking. Uh, he said it's a tier one playoff run of all time, meaning he views it on the same level as all the all time great playoff runs from the all time great players. I tend to agree. And I wanted to ask you just because you have so much more experience watching the NBA over the years, does this feel like all-time great pantheon level stuff that we're seeing from Nikola
0: Jokic to you? Well, I think his consistency. I mean, people forget, you know, <laughs> it's like Michael Jordan, you never see the bad games. Michael had Michael had some really tough shooting matchups against the Utah Jazz in those finals more than one. Michael had bad games. He had a bad one against, I think, Phoenix. He had a couple bad ones against – he had a bad one against, I think, Seattle in a closeout game. Michael wasn't perfect. I think with Jokic, it's the uh, consistency. I feel like you can just write down – like tonight he had very few assists. You can just write down 24, 11, 12. <laughs> like that's really – that's rare, Um the consistency. I think what we're – you know, it, it's very – like. Like, you could probably don't have Bill Russell's numbers, obviously, in front of me. But I feel like with Bill Russell, you would get the same defense every night when they were playing and winning the championships. It it, it was Bill could run the floor. Bill gave you defense. Bill probably gave you 18 to 20 points. Had I watched Bill Russell, I feel like that would be Jokic. Like, I knew exactly what I was getting. Um, Magic Johnson would have great nights. And then, then Kareem would score. And Magic would be back so lebron um to me feels like even different than michael i i lebron won a decade i didn't think he had a bad playoff game i remember when dan gilbert i think i told you this once when, when he left cleveland and they said uh dan gilbert claimed that lebron quit in a playoff game against like boston and the numbers were like 32 11 <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's his quit game. Okay, I get it. Like LeBron to me is even greater than Michael in terms of it's hard to find in his prime an off night in the playoffs. I mean, like, like a, they're all good. So I don't think it and I don't think it rises to that. But, uh, but I do think there's a consistency to his game. And I think a lot of it is because he's such an elevator of others because of his size, almost seven feet. He's going to get rebounds. Because of his uh, girth and and his body, he's going to give you 24 a night. Even if he doesn't play brilliantly, he just gets points. Tonight, they reduced him to just a score. He generally gives you 10, 11 assists. You can almost just bank it. Like you kind of know what you're getting. And that's kind of a Bill Russell, LeBron thing. Now, again, I'm not knocking Michael. Michael mostly gave you that. But Michael Michael was never um, a great long-distance shooter. You know, Michael had two great ears shooting the three that's when they moved it in then they moved it out and Michael went back to not being able to hit threes like so I I, I don't consider all-time stuff you know it's funny listening to Denver complain about their media coverage and I'm like would you guys win a title first and there's <laughs> this, this all this whole thing they're like they're so upset with how they're being treated it's like do, do you guys have a ring like you have one win in the finals like Denver's a really good team let's wait before we call him great. Let's wait before we call Jokic great. It's a very, very impressive playoff run. They're tied. They just lost at home, right? Miami now has home court advantage. Nobody's disrespecting you. you, you, you there's nothing. I don't have any trophies to talk about. The Bucks have a trophy. Dirk got a trophy. You don't have anything yet.
3: Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms.
2: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes
0: its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.